Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. When's the best time to Facebook and when's the best time to tweet? Welcome to part one of our two-part series on the science of timing with Dan Zarella. As some of you may know, I'm a former PR agency guy and I have a lot of experience distributing press releases. And one of the choices you have to make when you send out a press release is exactly when you want the release to clear the wire, which at least in my experience has never been the most scientific process. Uh, if a company was public, we'd typically go out uh, with the news before the market opened. If we wanted to bury it, we'd go out at the end of the day on a Friday because that was when most of the news media had one foot out the door for the weekend and it was less likely to get covered. And if the news was local, we'd consider the, lo the time zone and, and that local market and send it out when we thought most people uh, were likely to see it. Uh, but there really wasn't much data to consult on making that choice. And we were always pretty much just guessing. In the old days, our marketing efforts were kind of like paying in cash. There wasn't much of a record of our transaction. But online, our marketing efforts are like paying with credit because every activity leaves a digital breadcrumb. And those digital breadcrumbs can be collected and analyzed. We can follow those trails for insights and get a much better sense of when we should be tweeting, Facebooking, emailing, and blogging. And in this episode on the science of timing, we're going to focus on the best time for marketers to use social media. Uh, if you're not subscribing to this podcast, you might want to do that right now at the show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com because in part two, we're going to talk about the best time to email and the best time to blog. Uh, with us today is someone who has done more social marketing research on the science of timing than anyone else, social media scientist Dan Zarella of HubSpot. Notice I didn't say guru. Uh, Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, tell us before we get started here, what is the myth of unicorns and rainbows? Well, so I go to a lot of social media conferences. I read a lot of blogs, a lot of marketing books, things like that. And I hear a lot of advice that is, for lack of a better word, it's, it's unicorns and rainbows, right? So it's generally stuff like engage in the conversation or love your customer, stuff like that. And it's hard to disagree with a lot of times because I'm not going to you know, come here and tell you to punch your customers in the face or anything, but it's generally not based on anything more substantial than what feels good or what should be right or what sounds truthy to borrow Stephen Colbert's phrase. What I like to do with social media science is get beyond the unicorn and the rainbows and actually look at the real data, science, you know, psychology, behavior, uh, why people behave the way they do online and how we as marketers can, can leverage those behaviors. So now, talk, let's talk for a minute about this research you did. Uh, when, when we tweet or Facebook, we're reaching multiple time zones. Is the best strategy to target different communications to different time zones or just to focus on distributing when most people are active? Well, so the first thing to understand about time zones, if you're a U.S.-based marketer, the majority of folks in the U.S. are in Eastern time or, or um, uh, Central time, right? So we're, you're either at Eastern time or you're an hour off. If you are more, if you're a local business and you're you're working, you know, entirely with a, an audience in a separate time zone, then yeah, be aware of those time zones. All of my data is based in Eastern Standard Time Zone because it is 
you know, by far the most popular time zone in the United States. Um, now, you know, if, if um, you're trying to, like the things you were saying, there are some, some things that you want, to, you want to think about as far as time beyond just time zones, like you were saying with the, the market opening and, and, you know, being a local business. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, most people, if you're a national brand, uh, are going to be on Eastern or Central time. Let, let's get started with Twitter, okay? If if your objective is to get retweeted, when's the best time for marketers to tweet? So before I get into the actual prescriptions of, of, of when the best time to tweet and when the best time to do things, it, I feel it's important to clarify one point. So in science, you have two different kinds of scientific research. You have stuff like physics on one hand, where there's laws about gravity and electromagnetism, and you can write mathematical formulas to describe how they're going to work in every single case the exact same way. With stuff like medicine, on the other hand, you generally, you know, researchers generalize best practices on studies conducted over you know, hundreds of patients, thousands of patients, millions of patients. Um, and best practice sort of courses of treatment are then recommended um, for doctors to use for individual patients. Doctors with individual cases use those as starting points and then experiment because each individual case may be different. Most of them will conform to the average, to the norm, um, but you still want to experiment. So when I give you advice like this, what you need to do is use that as a starting point to experiment with, and then experiment with um, with other times uh, of publishing. Um, additionally, um, you know, you also want to increase your frequency. The more often you tweet, the more often you email, the more often you do any of these things, the faster you're going to be able to learn which of these times and days are best for your specific case. So to answer your question, um, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to get retweets, which a lot of people are. It seems and sort of later in the day Eastern time, so 4, 5, 6 p.m. Eastern time, and Fridays uh, tend to be the most retweetable times. That's when retweet activity is at its highest. That's when you're most likely to get retweet. Um, if you're looking to get click-throughs, um, it tends to be sort of later in the week as well. Thursdays and Fridays tend to be highest for click-through rate. But the time of day doesn't really seem to matter all that much. So we all know that overly aggressive marketers on Twitter get unfollowed. But just how many tweets per day is too many, and how should marketers decide what an appropriate volume of tweets per day is? So when you say overly aggressive marketers, um, I'm curious exactly what you mean by that, because I don't think that that is necessarily true. Uh, what my data shows is that uh, accounts that tweet 22 times a day uh, on average have the highest number of followers. That's a ton of tweets. That's fairly aggressive. Um, and it, so it, you know, if you're just tweeting to get followers and tweeting other people's interesting links, Go nuts, go crazy. You get up to 22 times a day if you'd like. I mean, that's, that's pretty hard to do, so don't worry about over-tweeting too much. The difference is, when you're tweeting your own links to get, your, to get traffic to your site rather than tweeting other people's links just to get followers and retweets, but when you're tweeting your own link, my data shows that the faster you tweet, the lower your click rates are going to be. So, you know, if you're just tweeting to get followers and retweets, you tweet as much as you possibly can, but when it comes time to promote your own stuff, tweet and then kind of let it breathe, let it let it sit there for an hour, a couple hours, or a day. The other thing you can do is when you have your, your tweet, most people, you know, I follow 8,000 people, most people follow less than that, but most people don't see everything that the people they follow have tweeted. Meaning, you know, if you tweet your articles once at the once, and that's it, most of your followers aren't going to see it. So maybe tweet it once in the morning, once in the early afternoon, once in the early evening, and once at night. Don't be afraid to tweet the same link more than once. Most people are not even going to notice. And the people who do know it's, it's a tweet, like it's not you know that big of a hassle. 
be careful, don't tweet the exact same thing. So what I would recommend is, you know, tweet the, the title of the post as one of the tweets and then use pull quotes uh, and then the link to the post for the rest of the tweets. But, you know, Guy Kawasaki has a ton of followers and he tweets everything, I think, four or five times. Should all links that you send, um, sh- should all tweets that you send out include links or is there any guidance here that your data reveals with respect to the number of links per day marketers should tweet? So what I found is that retweets are much more likely to contain links than normal tweets. So if you're looking to get retweeted, absolutely. Tweet tons and tons of links. Uh, the other thing that's really interesting is that, you know, there's there's basically a couple things you can do. There's a few different actions. And think about it on a, on a sort of polar scale. So on one hand, you got replying to people, sort of quote-unquote engaging in the conversation, right? On the other side of the scale, you have broadcasting. You have tweeting a bunch of links to cool stuff. My data shows that folks who have more than 1,000 followers do far less replies, do, do much less conversation than folks who have less than 1,000 followers. And the same goes with a million. If you have more than a million followers, you tend to be less conversational and you tend to be more broadcast-based. So generally speaking, for marketers, uh, outside of a customer service or PR sort of you know, um, uh, area, um, for, for marketing purposes, I would absolutely you know, opt for tweeting a bunch of links to interesting content as opposed to you know, engaging in the conversation. Well, you know, that, that's, that's really interesting because um, when, you look, when I look over a Twitter user that I'm considering following, if I don't see a lot of at replies... I'm probably less likely to follow that person because I figure, well, they're not really going to engage with me. And in trust agents, Chris Brogan and Julian Smith recommend, you know, this sort of 80-20 rule where, you know, for every, every you know, 20% uh, promotional, self-promotional tweets that you send out with links that are your own, you know, 80 should be either celebrating other people or engaging other people. Yeah, um, so... There's, there's, um, you know, Chris Brogan is, is, a, is a very smart guy, and we often come to the same conclusions. I do it from a sort of, you know, um, data-backed, science-backed perspective. He does it from a more human perspective. But on some points, we do disagree. I think this is one of those points um, where he is, he's saying, honestly, he's saying the unicorns and rainbow stuff. Um, and what he's essentially saying is, this is how I feel. This is what it feels like. This is what it feels should be like. When you look at the actual data, that argument is... Um, it's far from proven with any with any data. The other the the, the point to make more clear though um, is that there's a difference between empirical data and anecdotal data. I can give you individual cases for almost any kind of you know sort of medical research or any kind of other you know research where a one case two cases will go against the norm. But when you look at data empirically, it works, right? Um, and so the flu shot, for instance, the flu shot doesn't work in every single case, but it works for most cases. And so therefore, getting a flu shot is a good idea. That's empirical data versus, oh, my, my aunt got a flu shot, but she still got sick, which is anecdotal evidence. But j- just, to, uh, just to confirm this, you're saying that nothing in your data uh, confirms that you should be uh, necessarily using uh, at replies on a regular basis a- as a way of getting followers or getting retweeted. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. There are now, there are absolutely customer service, there are, there are you know, public relations and press relations reasons for doing at replies, right? So there, there's absolutely other points to it, but if, as marketers, and when we're interested in increasing our reach and getting more followers, getting more retweets, I have found nothing, and I've only begun to do this research, but I have found nothing that says that engaging in the conversation is useful for that. Now, HubSpot recently launched a tool to help users analyze historically when they're most likely to be retweeted, right? So you go to tweetwhen.com, you know, T-W-E-T-W-H-E-N.com, 
And what you do is you just put in your you put in your Twitter username, and it analyzes your last. I believe it's a thousand tweets at this point, or you know, you know, a couple hundred at least, but up to a thousand last tweets. And it analyzes your retweets per tweet, so at every hour of the day and every day of the week. So if you have over your last thousand tweets made a couple of tweets at two two a.m. and one of them got a ton of retweets, you're going to have a really high retweets per tweet. Um, and so it's going to recommend to you which times of day and which days of the week you get the most retweets per tweet. Got it. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about the best time to Facebook for comments and likes. Stay with us. This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. Packed with business-to-business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. That's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. It walks business people step-by-step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders. Or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle. I was over at my friend Doug's house for barbecue, and I have to say, Doug uh, does some of the best barbecue I've ever had. He's in motion picture marketing, and he makes trailers and ad spots, and uh, he's on Facebook, uh, you know, not not professionally, but just for personal use. He's not, I wouldn't say a social media diehard, but he's a, he's a friend, and he told me that he hid me on Facebook because I'm too loud. So... What did I do wrong, and how many Facebook status updates per day is too many? So, in, in contrast to the way Twitter works, what I found with Facebook is that when I looked at Facebook pages and I looked at the number of fans they've had, and compared that to how often they post, um, I found that pages that posted once every other day had the most um, the most fans. Right, so I did this out of it looking at the thousand of the most popular pages on Facebook, and, and found that when pages post more or less than once every other day it's going to have less fans. Now, I think that's because, you know, a tweet is very ephemeral, Twitter is around, you know, uh, uh, a Facebook site, a Facebook wall post is, is kind of sticks around for longer. Um, the Facebook audience also tends to be much more mainstream, right? And when you're a main, more mainstream Twitter user, when you're a occasional Facebook user, you're probably liking only a handful of pages, you have a handful of 135 or so, and so each individual post takes longer to kind of clear your feed. Whereas on Twitter, but most of the people who are on Twitter are pretty savvy with social media and are following a whole bunch of people and you know, one tweet only stays invisible for a couple of minutes or maybe you know, seconds and like in my case, eight thousand people are following. Um, and so on Facebook you have to be a little bit more clear, uh, a little bit more careful rather, um, with, uh, with with posting too much. So so when are Facebook status updates most likely to get liked? Um, and so what the data that I've done here is I've looked at articles published on, on the web, so on, on news sources, so stuff like CNN, Gizmodo, and Gadget, Washington Post, New York Times, and I looked at what uh, days of the week and what times of the day those articles were most likely to get liked, right? So this is not about static updates, but it's about external content getting likes. Um, and so what I found there was um, that 
The articles published uh, in the morning tended to get the most likes, but that effect wasn't super, super strong. What was very strong was that articles published on the weekends, on Saturdays and Sundays, tend to get many more likes than articles published on the week. So the reason for this um, is something that's called contra-competitive timing. And you can see this with Twitter stats, with email stats, with a lot of different kinds of stats. Essentially, as you know, if you imagine yourself in a crowded uh, party, if there's a ton of other people talking at the same time, it becomes a lot more difficult to listen to either you or somebody you're trying to listen to. But if everybody becomes instantly quiet, it's a lot easier to get for you to get your voice heard. So for marketers, when we're talking about social media, if we stop trying to talk at the same time as everybody else is talking and start experimenting with talking when other people are not talking so much, then you can oftentimes get more attention. Right, and so with Facebook, that's true. The volume of news stories posted to the web on Saturdays and Sundays overall is drastically lower than the volume of news stories posted to those sites throughout the week. But, so then the articles published on Saturdays and Sundays tend to get much more attention and to kind of you know cut through the clutter a bit easier, and they tend to get many more uh, Facebook shares or Facebook likes rather. What about status updates with links or photos and videos versus just plain text updates? Any any data on whether or not marketers should focus on posting links and content? Yeah, what I found actually is that uh, uh, videos tend to work uh, better on Facebook than they do on Twitter. Um, and, and photos tend to work better on Twitter than they do on Facebook. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is that video is, is really easy to watch in, in Facebook and filter into the Facebook interface. And again, because Facebook is such a mainstream audience, mainstream users love watching video. They love watching music videos, they love watching television and movies, so the closer you can get to that sort of normal sitting on my couch kind of experience, the more they're going to like it. Based on your research, what, if anything, uh, do you think the numbers suggest with respect to uh, whether or not there's a best time to YouTube or a best time to Craigslist or a best time to MySpace? So I haven't really looked at those uh, numbers at all. I may in the future, um, but but so far I've stuck to the ones that I presented in the webinar, which were uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, email, and blogging. Thank you for joining us for part one of our two-part series on the science of timing with Dan Zarella. In the next episode, we'll talk about the science of timing email distribution and the best time to blog for comments and links. Uh, to make sure you don't miss it, uh, subscribe to the podcast on the show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. And if you found this episode worthwhile, please consider posting a comment on our iTunes show page or sharing it via social. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.